Hello everyone and welcome to Torque Talk Radio. This will be episode one of our new season, season two, uh, starting here in 2021. We want to thank you for joining us tonight as we go ahead and get this new season kicked off. I know we were in a bit of hiatus uh, because of the craziness that was 2020, uh, but we are back and we are ready to jump back in it. Tonight we are going to cover some thoughts and theories that we have on two... Of, I would say two of the three biggest American motorsports series, uh, all three of them being NASCAR, IMSA, or sports car racing, and IndyCar. Tonight we're going to talk about a lot of the changes that are coming to IMSA and NASCAR, uh, with NASCAR's new schedule for this year, as well as the even bigger changes for the, the actual car next year, and then IMSA with changes to new rules packages, new programs, and all kinds of things and how it relates to European sports car racing and how everything relates to that. So stay tuned, buckle up, let's go. All right, everybody, welcome to the program tonight. Uh, as always, we are joined by Brock and myself, and as we said, we are going to be discussing two of the most major sports, I'd say, motorsport-wise in the United States, um, and that would be obviously sports car racing, IMSA, as well as the grand and glorious NASCAR. Um, Don't forget about the- IndyCar. Oh yeah, I mean obviously IndyCar is definitely in there, but I don't I don't know anything about IndyCar. <laughs> I'm horrible when it comes to that. So well. um but as far as what we're going to cover tonight, we're just going to cover a lot of the changes and some of the opinions since we're uh, so opinionated between the two of us about some of the changes that are coming both for both series. Yeah, um, major changes. There was a lot that came out during the winter season and obviously we haven't done this since I hate to say it, but since May of last year, because things got so hectic, um, as, as some of you may know, Brock and I, just to give a quick background, uh, Brock and I both are were considered essential workers during the whole pandemic situation. And the automotive industry was one of the weird industries that saw a crash at first, but then it exploded. Um, I don't know how it was on your side necessarily, Brock, but mine, I, I've been working like a son of a gun. We, uh, so we yeah, really but, busy for like two, two to three months and then it kind of got back to normal. Right. But, yeah. During, during the winter season, it did slow down obviously, but, yeah. uh, especially after everybody stopped traveling and stuff like that. But yeah, either way it was still absolutely hectic. So we do apologize for our uh delay i guess you could say um we ran into some technical issues and stuff with the app too so we we had to work that out and then days became weeks became months and next thing you know uh but we are back we are ready to get back into it um i would say we probably start with the imsa stuff just because we're we're coming off a a week from the 24 hours of lamar or sorry the 24 hours of daytona Daytona. i was was gonna say i wish it was lamar um and, and, and what I, what I must say is the fact that I didn't get to go this year like I did last year. Um, this race was a lot better, a lot better. This was probably the best twenty four hour Daytona I've seen in like five years. Right? Yeah. It, it was it was crazy to think that 
I mean, obviously they added one more class with the LMP3, which to me was a little weird. I didn't quite understand it. But um, at the same time, someone explained it to me. Like I was, I was hanging out with some friends while we were watching it, and they explained it to me. It's basically the prototype challenge cars, but allowed to race 24 hours. Because obviously the prototype challenge, yeah, they don't they do any a... type of endurance racing. They just do their little sprint stuff. Really what it is is um they're like a, it's a different body obviously a little bit different aero package on them but I think it's more that they wanted a class that people that wanted to didn't want to run GTD but they wanted like a spec car per se right you know so and it fit perfectly because like LMP2 can get expensive because there's more than one chassis but I mean like put it this way like Core Motorsports jumped on and decided to run it so it couldn't right. have been that expensive Right, exactly. Yeah, and and the one thing that one of my friends explained to me is he was kind of joking. He was like, "This is all of your like your business dentists. executives, your yeah. lawyers, your dentists, stuff like that. People who are like buy a ride that aren't necessarily professional race car drivers, but they enjoy racing, yeah. um, on a professional level." And I'm like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." So it's kind of like a, I wouldn't call it an amateurs group, but it's definitely like a lower group. The thing I found funny is looking at the lap times and stuff like that. They were almost door-to-door as far as lap times go with lm or uh gtlm oh yeah which was which was weird because then you actually watched them on track and because of the aero package the the lmp3 cars were a lot faster through the corners but then they didn't have the power that the lmp2 cars had so you'd see the lmp or sorry not the lmp2 uh the gtlm cars would pick right back up to them so it was kind of like this back and forth well they never um, really got away from each other let's just I'm looking at the lap counters, and the leading Corvette finished with 770 laps, and then the leading LMP3 car finished with 757. Right. Keep in mind, though, they had the mandatory eight-minute or eight minute pit stop and stuff like that. And, of course, the driver, the driver skill is, is yeah. all, well, all pro driver GTLM versus all, for lack of better terms, amateur well, driver or gentleman driver. The winning LMP3 actually had a pretty good lineup. Um, you had Oliver Askew from IndyCar that ran last year. You had uh, Scott Andrews. I've heard of him, but the other two, I believe, are gentlemen drivers. Right. But still, it was just kind of interesting that that team that had pro drivers in it ended up winning, um, being the most consistent. So, right, and I mean, then no surprise there, realistically, because they they know what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was just cool to see five classes on the track, and it really helped the field because I think it generated a lot more interest in the race in general too. I mean, it was it it seemed oh, like agree. there was always traffic, like always traffic. There was no time where it was just one or two cars together. There was always something going on. Um, I did find it kind of comical in a way whenever you'd see the LMP2 cars come off a corner as well as the DPI prototypes. Mm-hmm. And then they'd get on a straightaway and the prototype would just disappear. Yep. <laughs> or even or even worse, you'd have like LMP2, LMP3, GT traffic. And then you just out of nowhere see this DPI prototype just boom in the picture and then boom, gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. I, I will be honest. Um, This year in general, I think that they had a lot of really good amateur drivers per se. Like they were being observant. It wasn't as bad as previous years where like traffic was a danger, like in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't hindrance. I'll agree with that. Yeah. It, it seemed like everybody got around everybody pretty well, yeah. um, but not in a way that was just 
boring. Like it wasn't like, oh, I see this car move over. It was kind of like, no, we're still racing, yeah. but we're not going to throw heavy blocks and stuff like that. So I, I agree there. Well, um, so what do you think of Porsche starting the year off like they ended it last year? <laughs> in the dirt? <laughs> yeah. I mean, or in dude, the fence, I, I guess. I felt so bad for Kevin Estra. He came, know, over, I, he came over from the WEC to run with them, and this man gets taken out right in the beginning. I, the thing that I found funny, and not like ha-ha funny, but like, dude, you kind of need your license revoked funny. I don't remember who the driver was. I can't remember his name. I know he was uh, foreign, probably from another series. But the BMW driver, the, the one that gave the interview, and he said everybody went and the lights were green except for the Porsche, and that's why I hit him. But then yeah. you watch the – like, as he's giving the interview, and, of course, I don't know if some people realize when they Bro. give those interviews, they have the TV above the the commentator's head. Like, yep. because they have to have their, their video cues and stuff like that. So the driver can see the replay, and they started playing the replay of the, the, the accident during his interview so you you kind of hear him stutter a little bit and stop yep. and then he kind of backtracks a little bit sticks to the same story but doesn't really his name was bruno spangler yeah that spangler. Guy, spangler he's been in there for a while as far as bmw right yeah and uh, and he's a well-known name and blah blah blah. that's what i'm just horrible with names that's why i didn't remember it but <laughs> i thought you said i'm fired for a second no you're um, fine but um, yeah, no, it's just funny how he was like, oh, oh, yeah, no, he didn't go. And it's like, nah, dude, you really screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah. I just feel bad for Porsche because it's like, well, obviously the it's one not... thing, the one thing I, me and da- my buddy Damien, uh, we were talking and we were like, the rule number one, do not hit the title sponsor's car. And, and they literally took out the WeatherTech Racing. Right. Yeah. Titles, it's like, but, um, no, it was it was a shame. The Porsche guys were the best because they all talked so much trash, but they did it very nicely. Like of the driver, like You're during right. all their every single one of them talked trash, but they did it in such a formal way. So right. it was really difficult to see to hear them talking trash about them. Yeah, it was very very passive aggressive. Yeah, they were they were pr- for good reason. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. And, and I mean, it sucks too because it's like that's an all pro class technically yes. but they're not factory backed anymore they're just like factory assisted yeah well um, um it was like a kind of a late deal because you had the proton competition that bought both the rsrs from the united states to run them over in europe right. and then WeatherTech just said well why don't we quit backing the ferrari and we're just gonna back you and you can have core run it and so that's basically what they did so right but the one thing I think that stole the show, uh, the GTLM battle was great. I did enjoy it. Like BMW was right there the whole time, and you had uh, the Ferrari was there with the Rise yeah, the, competition. Yeah, the, the, the Ricci Yeah, it was close. It was yeah. there it, at the very end. They just did not have the. I don't think they had long term pace. They had really early stint pace. Um, right. But i think what stole the show was the fact that dpi was so close with every car with oh, yeah. every car no, the, the the fact that the only cars that did not finish on the lead lap were the ones that either had mechanical yep. issue or wreck yep like it, it took a serious active active situation 
for the for the DPI cars not to be on pace with each other, and that that just showed. I mean, even the fact that like uh, when Kobayashi got behind the wheel of the forty eight, which was a all an epic driver lineup to start with. Yeah. I mean, between Kobayashi, uh, Johnson, and then the other two drivers, it was just it was like okay, this is cool as crap, and towards the end there when Kobayashi got behind the wheel, he like blazed the field. It was crazy how well he did and how much time he made up really sucks about the Oh one. I was really bummed about that. Cause that battle. Uh, yeah. Was epic. Um, you want to, did you see the, uh, the joke about Kobayashi though? Okay. Mm-hmm. So if they would have won the race, right? So right. Johnson, Fernando Alonso and Jeff Gordon would have had one thing in common Kobayashi did all the work because Kobayashi was yeah. the finishing stint for all three of those drive like races, ironically. Yep. But because Kobayashi is just a man, like he's an underrated driver that a lot of people don't know about, and he's just an animal. He is a, he is awesome. Yeah. He is fast. Um, that car, I think it was more of a setup problem than anything else because it just didn't have the raw pace, in my opinion, that the rest of the cars did. Right. It had good moments. If that makes any sense. See, I think I think there was a fatal flaw with Cadillac in general too, because like even if you look at the O one or the the uh, I almost said the ten. Wow, um, I haven't accepted that internally yet. That <laughs> that Konica Minolta is now an Acura. But uh, with that being said, though, all of the Cadillacs seemed like they had kind of a weird thing going on. The O um, one was definitely a setup issue with the blown tire because it was too hot. I, if I had to be completely honest, in my opinion, because it, the temperature, the broadcasters specifically said it's about 10 degrees warmer than it was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. and it blew the same tire on the same banking. So I'm pretty sure that it just loaded that tire up and got it really hot, and which is what caused the failure. Right. Because that car was stupid fast. It was right. very yeah, no. fast. And go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I kind of had a theory about that, too, that there might have been some type of issue that was caused, um, body work or something like that. Now, obviously, it's not like a NASCAR cup car where it's got sheet metal. Yeah. Um, but I know there's still a lot of bracing and a lot of different things in on the inside of the body cladding that it could cause an issue. And I had a feeling that um, the accident that, that the 01 and the 48 got into – I want to say hour 17 or 18, somewhere in there-ish, overnight. Um, I remember it was around that time because yeah. I woke up at like 7 or 8 in the morning, or 7 in the morning, and started watching again. And I watched the review, and it happened only like one or two hours beforehand. So it was kind of right in that same time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the over one just kind of overshot the corner going into one and spun out and clipped the back of the 48, that same corner is the same corner that kept cutting the tire. That is true. So I had a feeling, I have a feeling it was either, like you said, setup issues, but it didn't look like they had the issue before then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it might be a combination of like maybe something caused something to change. And because of that, it was starting to cause tire issues. Because it wasn't like a blatant, like if something was just cutting into well, they, the tire, otherwise they, uh, it would have cut more. The ironic part was like, Two corners earlier, before it blew up, blew the tire again. He even asked on the radio. I think it was Van Zander. Yeah, Van Zander was driving, and mm-hmm. he even asked, "He goes, how's the tire look?" And they said, "Fine, no issue." 
and then boom. <laughs> well, of course they're going to say that they're going to they're not going to put the driver in concern. They're going to keep their yeah, mouth shut and say just but drive. The it's just car. ironic that like he was asking about it and then just boom. But right. I think the biggest thing that we need to walk away from is the fact of how good of a team Wayne Taylor Racing is. The fact that they their first time out with a car that they've never run, they win an endurance race, which is something that Penske of the three years of running these cars could never do. They always won the sprint right. races, but they could not win an endurance race. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100% because it's like, it's not that they don't have a lack of no. skill. They obviously have been doing this for at least two decades, if not three, they know what they're doing. Just Wayne but... got the right people. There's nothing else around yeah. that. Yeah, and, and and what I was gonna say is, it's not like they just got lucky no. either. It's not like they were they were just at right place at the right time at the end of the race. No, they were up front the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. The only time that they ever got shuffled back is when they ran into some small issues, and I think they got a penalty once, didn't they? Some type I of penalty. I don't think so. I know the O one did for spinning the tires on the jacks. And that was why they ended up going to the back. That's that's what yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, you're um, um, but either way, though, I mean, it, they were never off they pace. A, they were always they had a super clean race. Um, the the only thing that the commentators tried to play a story on was that they had a problem getting the tires on and off. But really, what it was, it was the if you looked at the tire changers, it was just they weren't used to the way that the Acura's tires went on, and so that they, right. like because right towards the end of the race, they kind of figured it out and they had no issues. But um, the, really what that car was good at is it had moderate pace but awesome fuel mileage. That was really what it came down yeah, to. Yeah, the, the Acuras in general had good fuel yeah. mileage. Um, I think it's pre- it was pretty legendary that uh, Wayne got rather uh, impaired and did an interview um, at the end. I, I want to know how quickly he got impaired. Well, because... he, what happened was he was – he was he mentally was... and completely exhausted because Alexander Rossi said that his wife gave him a couple shots of vodka to wake him back up and to settle his nerves because he was getting really uh, – because he gets very emotional. Um, so, right, yeah, no, And course. so, yeah, and then he just went out there and he said, well, my team won. That's pretty awesome. And then he, then he said what he said at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was – I'm just – like the fact that it's like, okay, you couldn't have gotten that drunk that quick between end of race oh, and yeah. victory lane. So you were pre game. Oh, yeah. He was so, Yeah, when he when he dropped that bomb on camera, everybody's like, Oh And then and then and then you see Ricky where he was like, he'll take interviews later and just trying to give him a hat yeah, and everything. Just, it was funny. Just 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 shut yeah. up, Dad. Just shut yep. up. But I mean I mean <laughs> No, that 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 I'm just. Fantastic. I'm happy to see that team win. I'm. I'm. I'm a big Rossi fan from Indy, so I'm happy to see Rossi finally get a watch. Um, Ricky Taylor, he's awesome. Good guy. He deserves it. Philippe deserves it because he's been working really hard trying to get that too. Um, Castro Neves, he was. He's been there with that team, so he deserved it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really. I was happy to see the 48 get a second place at least. Yeah, um, I was I was very happy to see the quote unquote champion team, the the like the all pro team. Yeah. Just I called it for the fun of it team because it's really what that was. I mean, that team's not going to yeah. exist. Um, probably. 
I have I know they said that there was rumors that they might do more endurance stuff if the four drivers agree to it and blah 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 blah. But let let's for what we know for sure, this was the if, only time they were if doing I had to it. Guess, so it was FT. for fun. If I had to guess, I could believe I, that. I, I would. I could I see could Johnson that. wanting to run because um yeah. I in on drivers. So let's have a little bit of talk. Uh, I think Chase was a little bit mean to himself on in the thirty-one. Um, he did. I mean, he, that's that's Chase. Yeah, though. he did. Uh, I mean, he did confirm ruin the floor on his earlier stint. He he banged it pretty hard. Um, that was what he was really upset with himself about. But I think when you know when they got the car back together after they had the transmission issue, and he he they actually let him go back out there. To just kind of run laps. Yeah, I was happy that they did. He did. That. Um, he did a lot better, like lap time wise. Like he was getting to a rhythm. He was doing well. Uh, he did well. Jimmy, the first stint was terrible. No offense, Jimmy Johnson. Just he wasn't in pace compared to the rest. And but then when he did his sunrise shift, that was pretty well done. He did a really good job there. Um, yeah, and I think I think there was just a learning curve for both. I mean, for all of the NASCAR drivers, because I mean, obviously, going from a big heavy stock car to a very lightweight yeah. mid-engine prototype is—I mean, it's it's night and day. No pun intended. I, um, absolutely. But yeah, no, I, I I mean, Chase being hard on himself is just Chase being hard on himself. He's that's that's just how he is. Oh, I know. You listen to his like interviews and in NASCAR and stuff like that. I'm saying more for like the viewers and stuff. Um, you listen to their, the, the interviews and stuff. He's always, if he does, if he has some type of mistake or if he doesn't finish the way he wanted to finish and like that, he's always super critical of himself. And it's like, dude, you finished second. Like, well, I didn't win kind of. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of, it's like a, it's a fatal flaw, but at the same time, it's kind of a blessing because it gives him that drive. Yeah. And I think that's what helped him. Like, if he would have done good in the first stint, then I don't think he would have been better in the second or third. But because he, for lack of a better term, sucked, he was like, I need to figure this out, and he figured no, it out, and he's a fast No learner. offense to them, but I do think, um, like, I don't know. Like, I, I was talking about this today with a friend. I think they would have benefited if they would have ran, like, an LMP2 car first, like, for their first Daytona. You know what I mean? Like with something oh, yeah. like, yeah, no like, like you, because I think the biggest di- like disadvantage for them is they don't run anything with this high of downforce. And that's, and that's right. what makes these cars so fast is that trust. Cause you kind of trusting that it, you kind of, Oh, I was going to, sorry. I, I, I thought you were finished with the thought, but I was going to say, is just kind of rewind back to last yeah. year with Kyle exactly. Busch in the Lexus. He ran the GTD. That's more of a A to B transition. Like, it's still a heavy 30-pound or 3,000-pound. It's a coupe, obviously, but it's still a big, big sedan-sized car. Um, take all the weight out for racing and stuff like that. It's probably more like 2,500 pounds. But even then, it's still a heavy car yeah. compared to a prototype. I don't know what the actual weight of a prototype is, but I know it's stupid lightweight. And the amount of downforce is way more, so it just it completely changes the dynamic of the yeah. car. I would have if it if it was me, I would have put Chase as one of like the secondary drivers and one of the vets or something like that. That would have been more of a correct transition because Chevrolet doesn't have anything in in GTD. Yeah, they don't have anything in GTD. 
Um, yeah. The one thing I want to highlight for the listeners is just to let them know. So in the number three Corvette that, they, that won the race, ironically, is uh, IMSA doesn't play about your COVID test. So they pulled Garcia out in hour four because he tested positive for his uh, COVID test. So um, Jordan Taylor and Nikki Casper had to do the rest of the whole race by themselves between two drivers. I did not yeah, know Garcia, that. Garcia literally on the 18 hour, like Mark of what was left in the race, they got Garcia's uh, COVID test positive for the earlier morning back. So they pitted him immediately and pulled Garcia out and put Taylor. And so Taylor and Katzberg had to do the rest, I think 18 hour or no, it was a, uh, yeah, eight last eighteen hours between two of them. So that's what Damn. I think won them the race personally is because of the consistency. Because it was literally like in out, in out. You you get out for one stint, you you get ready, get rested, you get right back in. You know, it's it was that's a long time between two people. Um, right, especially especially for Katzberg, which is not because he's not going to be the main driver nope. for the whole season. He's just one of the endurance yep. drivers, so he's not as and I'm not going to say he's not as tailored um, because obviously he's a phenomenal driver, but the fact remains the same. He's the backup. Exactly. In a, he stepped in a up. He did so well. It's, yeah. He did definitely when you, when, when push came to shove. Um, but as you hinted about earlier, and we've got about 10, 10 to 12 minutes left on this segment that about I want to spend. D pro. You kind of hint. I was about to say, you kind of hinted on that whole GTD situation. Yeah. Imsa's um, taking a leap. Imsa's taking a big leap, and I think it's the right direction. Um, I've watched a couple conspiracy theory videos, I guess you could call them, um, just people's opinions on it on like YouTube and stuff like that. And the way they the the, the one uh, one video I watched, the way he explained it is this is getting back to true GT three yep. form. Um. Because, like, if you look at the GTD cars right now, the GTD cars are kind of like a modified GT3. Um, they are GT3 true and through. Like, you can easily take a GTD car and go run the GT3 class with the ACO and the Le Mans series, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it, um, over in Europe. It's basically plug and play. But there are some modifications that you need to do. What IMSA is probably going to do because they haven't released specs yet is the gtd pro class is going to be true gt3 it's going to be not the modified gt3 that they're running in gtd it's going to be exactly what aco runs over in europe so whatever teams join up with gtd pro can literally plug and play over in europe which is, in my opinion, really good. The problem is it takes away the GTLM class here, obviously, which... It wasn't eh, wasn't much yeah. of a class left anyways. Right, I was about to say, I, I don't think it's a loss at this um, point because you're not losing manufacturers. It's just changing how they're going to play the game. Before... But that means that there is no... There's no transfer to GTE in the ACL. Yeah. GT Echo, if I don't know how the, the sound quality might have picked that up. Um, but it, so it's going to be weird. It's like a Corvette Racing, if they end up going to GTD Pro, that means that they're going to be a GT3 class car, which they've never been. They've always been GT2 or GTE, 
at Lamar. Um, and unlike the United States, the Lamar race, as well as just the, the overall European sports car series, the GTE program still has a lot of backing. So there's no reason for them to get rid of it. I know there's been some rumors and some speculation, uh, especially since the ACO and IMSA are kind of becoming best friends at this point. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of interesting how, how they approach or are approaching this. And I'm, I'm curious to see how well it does. I hope it does well, because if it is a modified GT3 or a, a, I guess you could say return to a non-modified GT3, then you've got Audi, you've got Lexus, you've got Mercedes-Benz, you've got uh, McLaren. I mean, well, you've got all these other manufacturers Ast- that now have the you opportunity. You saw Aston Martin's post, right? They immediately mm-hmm. made a, uh, basically on all their social media platforms, they immediately said, that, like put out and said, IMSA's GTD uh, Pro is an amazing announcement and we look forward to working with a bunch of different uh, teams because they're a supplier. Because uh, if you didn't know, Aston Martin because Lance Stroll took control of it and decided to make F1. They canceled all of their, basically their GT cars, like factory back programs. So all those are gone because they also going to go, there's rumors that they're going hypercar. Those probably aren't true because now they're going F1 racing, which is stupid expensive, but they're still going to make customer cars where you can just buy one. Um, But the one thing I want to highlight is that a year ago, they asked Corvette Racing if they could turn that car into a GT3 car for other series. And the the answer was that it was very difficult. But the other thing I would love to highlight is that there is so many uh, C5, C6, and C7s that have been converted and run in classes across Europe to run GT3 specifications. So if a smaller team can do it and make it legal enough to run, I don't see why they can't. Oh yeah. And there's, there's no doubt that team Corvette could do it. I mean, especially look at it and, and the video that I watched, the guy actually spent a whole solid couple of minutes just on this. You as an IMSA officiate would not make a decision that would hinder or destroy the opportunity for your, I would say, favorite. Because yeah. let's face it, Team Corvette is the, the favorite of GT racing. It's an American-based sport with an American-based race car and an American-based well, track. They definitely knew ahead of time. And they've been around for 20 years. I feel like they definitely <laughs> knew ahead of time. So, it wasn't. I don't think it was yeah, a slap no, in the it, face. I I'm, think it was like probably they knew about a year ago that I'm, this was on the table. Right, and I'm sure Corvette, Team Corvette, like you just said, already knew about it and that they're only making the dis- this announcement now because Corvette got back saying, okay, yes, we can all, do this. All I want to see like, is it, I'd love to see C8R customer cars. That's all I'm going to say. I, I think that would be right. incredibly cool and different, and it'd be really neat to see them go to like other series, you know, like in race and do well. Because obviously that they've kind of worked the kinks out of those cars, and they're pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'd say they're 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 doing yeah, all right. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. <laughs> um, they had a rough start. They weren't great to start with. They had a lot of reliability issues, but that comes with the when you rebuild a whole car and you're also pioneering a motor for a road car, that doesn't help. But um, right. so it's just. It's going to be interesting. The one thing I want to highlight also is that Acura said that they're going to do an LMDH 
which is pretty awesome to see uh, actors step up even and say, yes, we will continue with this path. Um, and so now we're kind of we're waiting. And it's like, OK, uh, so is Corvette Racing going to move up to an LMDH? Or because the one thing that nobody's talked about, I think, is that Cadillac has not announced that they're moving with this. To so right, and and I think I think we're gonna have an announcement, not like soon, like in the next couple of weeks, soon. But I have a feeling something big is about to occur because we got about five minutes left, and I just want to touch on this quick little topic because I have a feeling this Go is ahead. a good topic to come back to on another time. The Super Bowl commercials. Yeah with GM about how they said GM as a global product, as a global brand is going to be all electric by what? 2035. 2035 and said. then carbon emissions zero by 2040. Right. Exactly. So it would make a whole lot of sense for them to start playing with the hypercars yeah. and the LMDH and stuff like that. Now a quick, I'm not 100% sure I completely understood this yet because I've heard it go back and forth. LMDH and hypercar are essentially the same they are not. thing. They are correct? very different. They are not. You want me to explain okay. it real quick? Because I've heard the explanation that hypercar is the ACO version of LMDH's nope. IMSA. Or IMSA's LMDH. LMDH, LMDH okay. is you get a chassis and you make an engine uh, combination that has to have a hybrid system. And you make your body work. Hypercar is basically you make the car from scratch. So they, okay. LMD, that, yeah, that LMDH is cheaper. That's why they made it because all these manufacturers, like uh, it was specifically Porsche and Audi that were like, we're not making a whole car. So basically they came out with this. They're like, well, we'll give you a, I think it's like three different chassis options. So there's three different chassis options. You take it and then you make your engine and power plant package and then you make your unique bodywork and and then you run right. it which is but if you get the chassis out of it you saved like probably gosh 25 to 40 percent of your budget because you didn't develop it right but toyota just okay. said screw you guys we're gonna make everything from scratch so they made it all from scratch which is why like like i said you have peugeot that has said yes we'll make an lmdh you have audi you have porsche that are both committed now you have acura that is committed and the rumor is ford is going to commit that is the big rumor right i heard i heard that ford might be looking into doing the only something, reason ganassi is uh, racing well. this year in dpi is to see what ford does that's literally the only reason why yeah, they're kind of dragging the brakes yep. right now. Um, but I could definitely see Cadillac jumping in because obviously they're the the, the premier team for DPI. Yeah. I could definitely see them jumping into uh, LMDH. I mean, they're going to have to if they want to keep racing in IMSA well, because that's going to replace well, DPI. Well, the rumor was is that the main reason why um... – Wayne Taylor walked away from Cadillac is because they were unsure of that reason. And and he already right. knew that Acura was going to because his his main goal is to go back to Lamar. He wants to win Lamar with right. his team. So that is the only I and that's why Meyer Shank did the same thing. He he got rid of his GTD right. program and jumped on the Acura train so he can go there. So and that and I mean it makes perfect sense to I me mean, from a business standpoint, it makes sense. It's just kind of interesting that if you look at both 
and this again we can get deeper into this on yep. another episode but if you look at gm's product philosophy and what they want to do in the next three to five to LMDH 10 15 makes years lmdmh makes perfect sense it made me it makes perfect sense that they want to continue to be competitive in imsa as well as go over to a global market and be recognized and accepted and 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 respected i guess you could say um, even if they put a Corvette name on it, I mean, a Corvette would be a little bit weirder because it's it's already a known chassis versus if you do Cadillac, it's like, oh, yeah, it's another DPI that they're they've already done prototypes. It makes more sense, well, I, mean, I guess. Did, but yeah, no, it, you, it's just one of those things that it 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 jibes right. I, I agree. So but that'll come into like, uh, OK, so what's Corvette up to and stuff like that, too. And again. That's another episode that we could touch on for a third time since things continuously change. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, any final thoughts on the idea? Uh, nope. I'm okay. Let's segue over to uh, NASCAR. Yeah, in that case, we'll because uh, we are at 56 seconds on this timer here. Um, so yeah, let's look. Uh, let's look at the other one. The other. Uh much much less advanced i guess you could say in a way well next year um, it's gonna be good old cool. nascar i i i'm definitely excited um obviously when we're recording this it is the ninth so it's tuesday so we just finished the clash earlier a couple hours ago um i gotta say starting off that was a good race i was i had my concerns um I'm a big road course guy. I mean, obviously, the fact that we both talk about sports car racing, we obviously enjoy that style of racing and the fact that NASCAR is embracing it this year. Um, I've been making this prediction for, like, last year or two. There was a thing that most people didn't really recognize or understand. There was a track uh, contract that was put in place over 10 years ago. Um that basically said you have to run these tracks. You're gonna use these times exactly. Like, yeah, you can. You have to run them on these dates for this many years, and blah 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 blah. And everybody hated the cookie cutters, but unfortunately, Bruton Smith is a phenomenal business person, and that was part of the contract. Is is you had to go to these tracks. That's why NASCAR started making these moves of hey, we're gonna start buying the tracks from these people and we're going to own everything. So we don't have to have contracts anymore and we can start doing what we want to do. So 2021 season is going to be an interesting kind of hybrid year because they're doing the new schedule and they're trying some stuff out, but they're still using the old gen six car, which has been proven to be for the most part, I'd say kind of lackluster. It's, it's been good. It's a, it's awarded a lot of good racing, but then there's also been a lot of meh. I agree. Racing, I guess you could say. I think that I don't know. I the only thing I will say that I find interesting is that the uh, so the reason why they're not running the next gen car, the seven gen car this year, is because they said, "Oh, we need to because how bad 2020 was. We also need time to develop it." But ironically, they just came out three days ago and they're like, "Development's done. Cars ready to go." So. It, it didn't take them very long to, to finish it up. I think it was more of an excuse that they just did not want to change yet. But that car is basically, well, I would call it a hybrid between an Australian supercar and a stock car. That's just kind of my opinion. Right, correct. It's 
I mean, it's it, and we'll get more to it here in a moment. Um, just to give a quick, uh, quick rundown, it's still tube chassis, but it's got, like that, like an old, but it's got carbon composite yep. bodywork instead of stainless or instead of stainless steel, instead of steel sheet metal. Um, it's going to be using a six speed, six speed transaxle sequential. Six, yeah, sequential, proper sequential transaxle with independent rear suspension. Um, the engine is going to be tuned differently. It's using a ram air system instead of a cowl yep. induction. Um, there's a bunch of changes now. The engines themselves are staying for the most part the, the same. Biggest change, but there's a bunch of technology that's changing on how the fuel injection work. Like it, it, there's a whole bunch of stuff, and that doesn't even include all of the changes in the aerodynamics with the I think, splitter, the rear diffuser. I think the arrows. All kinds of crap. I think the arrow is the biggest difference, in my opinion, because right. you've got a proper right. rear diffuser. We don't know about the underside whether they're running a full undertray or not. Um, it. I've heard that they're basically running okay. a flat bottom, so, so that would be. It's gonna be that. It's it's got proper uh front ducts on the on the car. If you look at the photos of the prototypes very closely, they have proper ducts that go in and out of the hood, which will aid in downforce. They have proper side diffusers to channel the air down. It's just, it's a really cool car, and I'm really excited to see it run. Oh yeah. Um, and and one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, if you've ever seen a NASCAR gen 6 cup car from the top down view either like from the roof or like from an angle from the hood or whatever if you look at the back end the back end is skewed pretty severely to where the passenger side so to say rear quarter panel is a lot wider than the driver side and that's to help with side force and stuff like that like it, it makes the rear end kind of a, a spoiler in a way like the whole rear end is a spoiler the new car won't nope. have that. It's going to be perfectly identical, both sides. It's it. Nothing's going to be different side to side. So it's a lot more production spec, I guess you could say. Um, it's a cool now, damn car. Like it's a cool car. My question for you, and we'll both do this. I'm going to let you go first. Which race next this year are you most excited for on the new schedule? <sighs> Man, that's a difficult. Like thing. I want your, um, especially especially after seeing the clash tonight. Which back back to the clash. We'll circle around to that here in just a second. Back to the clash tonight. I had my reservations about it because with any road course, it's it the 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 race can get kind of strung out and like spaced it wasn't. out. It was great. Um, and then on, <laughs> right, and on top of that, the clash always is like a limited field. It's only twenty some odd cars, usually between. 18 and 25 i'd say versus a normal nascar cup field is 40 so you're missing almost half your field there um so i was a little reserved on how is the road course gonna be a better idea than stock car racing or uh speedway racing and i'm happy to report that i was wrong because it was a dang good race um so with that being said i'm not really sure which race I'm most looking forward to. I'm really excited to see how Nashville is because that's a super speedway and it's supposed to race similar to how Michigan is, but it's more like Daytona where the banking is more aggressive. Um, so they're going to be able to carry better speed. Um, so as far as oval racing goes, of course, that's going to be a good one, but then you can't forget the fact that we're going to Coda. And I remember when Kurt Busch did the the buddy up with the V8 supercars where they swapped chassis 
and they raced the cup car at Coda, and that was fun to watch with one car, let alone 40 of them. Um, so, yeah, no, there's a bunch of races this year that I, I don't really know if I can put my thumb on one specifically. And then, of course, California got canceled because they still are locked down for COVID. So after the Daytona 500 this weekend, we're going right back to the road course next weekend. So it's it's there's going to be some good racing if you're a road course fan yeah. for this year. And that's what I'm looking forward to is I, I enjoy watching the boys try and turn right and throw those big fat sedans around. We keep calling them sedans or Camaros and Mustangs, but let's face it. Not, not the Camrys. <laughs> well, yeah, the Camrys. They, they are. Um, they, I'm, they... The race I'm most excited for, which people probably, I guess, would be surprised about, I'm most excited for Road America because um i've i love i love i love watching xfinity and so and how like how much of a riot because if people don't know road america is literally like basically three gigantic straightaways that's really what it comes down to so in with a lot of corners in between but the fact that you're adding cars that now have like 200 to 300 horsepower more is just going to be ridiculous absolutely because you are these cars are literally Get like even the Xfinity cars because they run there every year. They it takes everything you can get to get them to stop. So think about adding thirty to forty miles an hour more down the front stretch. Right, your your entry speed it's is going to be, be so more. awesome. They it, it is yeah, going to be no. like it's either going to be a complete wreck fest or it's going to be the most close corner driving you have seen in a long time. Um the. Absolutely. The other thing that's a worthy mention is that obviously with uh, Tony Stewart's new series that he announced, it pissed NASCAR off. So we got Bristol instead of his racetrack for the dirt race of the year for everybody. Yeah, um, I, I I did hear about that. I did not realize that because I knew Eldora was out and I knew Bristol was in, which it was, Bristol's going to be. It was awesome. only because he's making the SRX series. That's the only reason why. Um which is really cool. It's going to be awesome to see what he's doing with that. It's it's kind of like a well, the IROC series. It's really what it comes. That's really what yeah. it is. But um, no, nah, they were just because you do realize that like they waited until the last minute to tell him right that they weren't going to run. Yeah. Like because literally he asked me, he's like, "So am I even a consideration?" He go, "No." And then he's like, "Okay, well, thank you." And he had some other words to say about it. But because because Tony yeah. Stewart. <laughs> so but um, it's Bristol is going to be cool. It's going to be really neat. I'm really interested to see how many of our normal drivers get pulled out for other people. Um, I think a lot of the field is going to be like different people that we don't know. Um, the other I'm trying to look I, there was one other work that I wanted to highlight that I thought was going to be interesting next year. I will say Indy is not going to be. The, the no, old it'll be the, road more, the rectangle. Sure. Yeah, it'll be the road course as well. So that'll be fun. I mean, watching the, the Infinity cars on Indy last year. It was year's pretty road right. It was, was awesome. Was, yeah. So that'll be, that'll be again, having a car with 200, 300 more horsepower on it and, and trying to get that thing slowed down is going to be entertaining Ooh, to Watkins watch. Watkins Glen's coming back if they can make it in in August. I was about to say if New York lets them. Um, they should. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't they? Which, which also raises another question: What are they going to be doing about Sonoma? If if California is closed for the beginning of the season, are 
Are we going to well, be able to get to Sonoma by well, June? IndyCar, um, I don't know when, but IndyCar moved the Long Beach with IMSA to the end of the year uh, because of that reason, because California could not give them a definite date. So they're like, okay, we're going to put it all the way to the end just to right. basically give them as far as possible, which is great for Alexander Rossi because he's amazing at that track. But um, let me look right here. I'm looking at the schedule just to see. Doesn't Indy and IMSA race on yes, the same weekend? they race on the same weekend in Long yeah. Beach. Uh, that's why I said, like, they both moved their – well, basically, IMSA was told we are moving. September is when they're running, September 26th. Um, right. And then they're running – ironically, they're running Laguna Seca the week before. And so, basically, they're going to be in California in September. So, yep. let me take a look. <laughs> The one thing, even though this has nothing to do with NASCAR, the one thing I want to talk about that I think might become a thing for IMSA, sorry to just throw this in, is the Nashville IndyCar race. You've seen the track, right? Yeah. Where it goes oh across God, the bridge yes. twice. Yes. yes. I Wouldn't yes. you love to see an IMSA race there if it becomes a thing? Because they run long. I, I'm going to make a prediction because – this would be cool. This would just be cool if anybody in NASCAR corporate, I'm not talking just NASCAR the sport, but NASCAR corporate, which owns IMSA, if you are listening, go talk to your executives right now. We need a double header for Nashville. I would agree. Every It'd be year. really awesome. It would be so they cool. They need to do it the same way that they do the 24 hours of Nürburgring and the German Grand Prix, where the, the F1 cars – and the Nurburg race flip flop every year. They take turns. So do IndyCar at the Speedway and do the Cup cars on the road course. And then not like not every year, but like do it like two weekends in a row. Do a double header where they swap. Yep. Where like week one, one's on one and one's on the other, and then they swap. And just keep doing that, like please, please, for the love of God, it'd be really, it'd please. be really cool. Um, <laughs> I'm just excited. Like when I saw that track, I was like, the bridge? Are you serious? Are we, we're, uh, yes. The you knew. So what happened was that just quick for the listeners. So there's not very often that on a street course you get to run across a bridge, and apparently they've been talking about this for like five years, and there was one person that just would not let it happen. But last year, that person was not revoted back into office as far as like within Nashville, like for their committee. And so they immediately called IndyCar and they're like, the bridge is on the table. And then the, the deal ready. The, yeah, the go. deal just <laughs> went together after that. So it was, it's just it's going to be a really cool track. Um, we'll see how it goes this year to see if it's going to be viable but i really hope that they use that track because it's so expensive to rent out a, a street course anyways to set one up why right. not use it for more than one series you know right exactly and that's why i'm saying if, if nascar does well with their schedule this year having more road courses and now of course it alienates some of some of the fans that might have been around for quite a few years blah blah blah, blah, blah. Yeah. um the fact remains the same. They need something to change. And if the road course thing catches on and people enjoy it, then I think they need to integrate 
one or two, maybe three street courses. Um, if the dirt track thing works out well, hear me out, NASCAR. Bush Clash on the beach, Daytona 500, and then a road course. That would be epic. Do Nashville double header with IMSA and IndyCar. The fans would get a triple header, realistically, yep. and get to see all three races, all three racing series. That gets you exposure. That gets you, hey, I'm a, a blue collar redneck fan that loves NASCAR. I don't know anything about sports car racing or IndyCar racing, but I'm at the track. And what the hell is this? Because this is awesome kind of a thing like like it, you get that exposure or vice versa i'm some dude from california that couldn't care less about nascar but i'm here to watch porsche and next thing you know i'm now a chase elliott fan because i just watched him win at nashville kind mm. of thing like there, there's there's so many so many opportunities that I'd go back to belle isle i mean detroit that's the the mecca of auto racing or automotive industry in the United States and put, put the cup cars on bell Isle instead of going to Michigan twice a year, go to bell Isle or, or something like that. The one thing I'm just confused about though. So NASCAR decides, okay, let's add a whole bunch of road courses to our schedule. We're going to add road America, which Xfinity already went to. And we're going to add this and that. I'm so sad that Mid Ohio is not on that list because they're on the list for Xfinity still, but it's like why didn't they make the move for that? Because I would have much rather have seen a Mid Ohio race than another Daytona race just to make. Right, I I agree, but I think Mid Ohio might be a little too low tier for Cup. Um, hear me out, and I'm not I'm Go not ahead. taking a crap on Mid Ohio at all. But I just believe that the track, the actual facilities, it's a logistics thing, and it's a venue thing. Then we'll- um, it's not necessarily applicable for Cup. Look at um, we'll use VIR for example, because you and I have both been the VIR. Yeah. We know how that track is. There's no garages. There's no space for any of the cars, the size of a Cup Series but- field. How come, no offense, but why can IndyCar and IMSA both run at Mid-Ohio at full capacity and not have an issue? Because cause they use hospitality. That, okay, that's true. They're, that's true. They're modular. It's very rare. They're modular. Yes, they're, they're very rare that they actually have garage facilities provided to them. Now, again, at VIR – because they only run GTD and GTLM, the GTLM gets the garage. Like all they get, they all get garages. And then at Daytona, obviously Daytona's got like seventy garages. Uh, they everybody gets garages. Like it's like Oprah out there handing out garages. <laughs> um, but any other track, they have modular hospitality tents or or garage tents. I guess you could say that the teams work underneath. NASCAR doesn't do that because NASCAR has a very strict rule that you only have one 18-wheeler. So, and that 18-wheeler is just to get the car to and from the track and have all your spare parts and your tools and stuff like that. Versus IMSA, IndyCar, they have two or three haulers per team. And they also have less teams. Now, if IndyCar had the same size field as NASCAR as a cup series, 
there'd be a thousand dollars. So it's kind of one of those logistics thing. And I kind of get it in it. And you could even argue that as like, oh, well, mid Ohio has enough for Xfinity and that might be true. But do you have enough for Xfinity? And well, I bet, kind of I bet the one thing, to be honest, I bet when they go and run an Xfinity, it's really a quick in and out. I bet they're not there right. very like long per se. Um, the other exactly. thing that I wanted to just touch bases on since we're talking about schedules is that I was really sad to see that IMSA didn't consider Charlotte again. Um, cause yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, which, and of course you and I actually got to go which, to the race. If it doesn't um, happen again, at least we got to go see it. Um, right. It was, it was a historical situation, but I think, I just wish they would have ran the DPI if, cars. I think that would have brought more people out because I think there was, I agreed. think there was enough room it was a tight track. I understand that. I've driven this track in person in a car. It is tight, but these people are professionals. They could have handled it, and I think it would have really helped elevate that event because I think that's what killed it is that they only ran the GTs. Right, and, it, and just remember the reason they did that is because it was a replacement for the – if I recall correctly, it was a replacement for the six hours of the Glen. Yes, because Watkins Glen was out for everybody. Right, and that was supposed to be a GT – only race yes. so it was kind of a they were just filling the hole um they can't make the dpis race when they're not supposed to anyway yeah kind of a thing um but with that being said i completely agree with you but i'm not counted out in the future because again since indy and imsa already do double headers and there has been rumors that NASCAR has been trying to do that and try other things. I could 100% see them doing that again because it was a big, it was a big success in my opinion. I, I 100% believe that NASCAR heard that, understood yep. that, and are willing to bring the IMSA guys back once IMSA kind of shakes down and figures out what they're yep. doing. Um, but but again, it's a logistics situation. You don't have the space. Yep. With that being said, even if they don't do it with NASCAR, they need to come back to Charlotte because that was a good race. It was a good track. It's it's contained. It's easy, realistically. Um, but I don't know where it will fit in the schedule. I'd like to see without removing another favorite I i'd like to say. see an indycar imsa charlotte double weekend because i watched the indycar test at charlotte and it was so cool those cars are so stupid fast on that track um, right and if if indy and imsa have been buddy buddy i i could see that happening for yeah. sure because obviously there's not enough cars to go around to fill all of the garages so you could easily split like Maybe put IMSA in the cup garages and Indy in the nationwide or the Xfinity garages or vice versa. Kind of. Yeah, which like like I said, um, the only reason I've heard that they that Indy doesn't have any interest in running is just because they when they ran Charlotte last time somebody uh, passed away. I forgot what that was, and uh, IndyCar has a notorious thing that once somebody passes away at a track, they usually don't go back unless it's like the Indy 500, which is different. Or uh, that's right. they're like staple. They're not not gonna run that race. But like, there's a couple racetracks. I think it's like um, Las Vegas, isn't that one of them that they won't go back to now? Because if I well, which which one's the one that Dan Weldon passed uh, away at? 
I think I that think was, that was Vegas. Vegas, and they haven't gone back since. Um, right. It's just it just seems to be that way. Let me look. It might be a causation. Yep, or a Las Vegas. Not a causation. Las Vegas. Too. Yep. Was it Vegas? Okay. But um. I don't know. Like, I'm just excited for NASCAR. They're updating their cars, which I think is going to bring a whole lot more fans. But like, from like sports car side, from the Australian supercar side, because now you, the one thing good is, I may not like him, but uh, Scott McLaughlin's an Indy car now, right? So you have a lot of U.S. or you have a lot of Australian fans that are now looking at at least one U.S. racing series. So. They might expand. Well, I mean, it's, it's just like all of the, the fans, like I, I follow this group on Facebook. It's for IMSA drivers. And a whole bunch of people joined that group and watched the 24 Hours of Daytona simply for Kevin yep. Magnus. Dude, I was so, so happy to see K. Magnus. So same so well. situation applies. Um, yeah, no, he did awesome. And then he him. announced that he was going to Peugeot, ironically, in 22. So you won't see him again at Ganassi. But, uh, Let's move on. Um, NASCAR wise, are you are you happy with the changes that they're made? Okay. Oh, um, the one thing, absolutely, because the biggest cause... gripe I've heard from people is like people that work there personally um, is the bodies because people are just losing their jobs. That's really what it comes down to. Unfortunately, the right. body people are losing right. out the. The pit stop people are losing, or like the pit crew, because I've heard recently they're actually planning on doing a minimum stop rule, um, to try and make safety more of a thing. I guess I mainly, who knows, it might be a lot less money, like insurance policy wise, if you have a minimum stop requirement. Um, so apparently they're gonna cut the crews down to like the basically the mechanics and the people that are gonna be doing the tire change because it's one lug nut. It's not going to be uh, five anymore, and it's going to be like a minimum of whatever they set it to that you have to be in the box. So that's what I've heard. Right, and I, I think there are some that are rumor mill that are not as true, I guess yeah. you could say. But I have a very unpopular but very intelligent explanation okay. for this. I worked for a race team. You know which one it is. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get accused of anything. NASCAR has a huge problem right now with people thinking that their job is important. I know that sounds harsh, but hear me out. For a big-name team, let's say your top-tier team, you do not need 700 employees to build I four agree. race cars. Now, obvi- now, it's obviously not four. There's obviously more chassis per team. You have a primary and a backup. Different styles. Like, you have a short track, long well, track, road course. Blah, the new car is going to fix that. Well, he, don't, don't be mean <laughs> to my punch here. <laughs> but that's my point. You should have, what, 10 fabricators, maybe, well, to build the chassis from the ground just... up. You need... Five engineers, not 50. You need pit crews, obviously. You need your pit crews, so you're going to need about 10 people, realistically, per team. But you don't need primary backup and second backup. It's not a football team. You don't need first, second, and third string. 
if one of your guys goes down, then you have a backup guy who is also the front end mechanic, like IMSA, like any other racing form. The guys that are the pit crew are only the pit crew during the race. Their their jobs are other jobs. You don't have an independent, solely specific pit crew. And I know that helps with the competitiveness and stuff like that of the pit crews, but the fact remains the same. NASCAR is doing this to cut costs. Yep. To make it to where go fast racing doesn't have to spend the same amount of money that Joe Gibbs or Hendrick or Port or Porsche or Penske spends every year just to qualify. Like, and I get it. They want to make the cars more spec. They're not making them spec cars, but they're making them more spec. That's why they're going to the composite body. That's why they're doing these things, this, that, and the other, to make the cars more even where there's less gray area and less massage area. So again, your Hendricks and your Gibbs and your Penske's don't spend a couple million dollars, like in the tens of millions of dollars for research and development. But then your, your second rate teams don't and won't be competitive. They're trying to get back to that good old boy in a way where, everybody's kind of on the same level playing field. So some of your lesser teams are now going to be more competitive consistently. I just did a a quick search and I was curious. So basically between Hendrick Motorsports and uh, Penske, it doesn't have a solid number, but it says between 600,000 employees that are in their motorsports team, right? Right. So if you look up, Mercedes AMG Protonus Formula One team. Guess how many employees they have total, including drivers. Probably, and probably they have no, no, that's definitely not that many. Like that list, they have nine hundred and fifty. That's including every single engineer they have at the their facility, and that's the largest Formula One team to make the most advanced cars possible that are so difficult to build manufacture like everything on an f1 car is ridiculous so it just goes to show like no offense to anybody that loves nascar or whatever you do not need the same amount of people to make that car. right <laughs> and and that's exactly my point because i i interviewed at riley technology quite a few years back like they were still running the vipers and they hadn't won the championship yet back so it's been a hot minute But I remember one of the things that he told me is he had a team, the team for Riley Technologies to run not just their Viper program, but they're also their prototype program that they run at the time, which is basically LMP2 now. Um, And on top of that, they also had like their their ride and buy program where they built purpose built track cars for customers that weren't like IMSA spec or anything, but they just built them in house. Mm -hmm. They had, if I recall correctly, 200 employees. 200. To do two Viper cars that, need I remind you, went to Le Mans quite a few years in a row. All of IMSA and their prototypes. So why in the world does NASCAR need 700 employees? And I say 700 because the particular team that I worked for when I left a couple years back, 
was right around 700 to run four cup teams, technically five. That kind of hints at who it was, but anyway. But yeah, it it just doesn't make sense to me because being that I come from a business background, it's all about cost saving. It's 100% about cost saving and it's 100% about NASCAR trying to make it a little bit more fair for the smaller guys. And that's why I completely agree with it. I understand that, yeah, it sucks that people are losing their jobs, but it's not like, it's not like, oh, the industry is shutting mm-hmm. down. It's just evolving. It's no different than when people are screaming, and I'm not trying to get political, but when people are screaming for $15 an hour to work at McDonald's, well, yeah, we'll start hiring employees at $15 an hour. Understand that there's only going to be two people in the store and you're going to be replaced by a robot. That's what it boils down to is your sponsors only give you X, Y, Z amount of money and you have to make that work. So NASCAR is being told that, hey, we're going to give you $100 million to run this series, but we can't afford every single team. But if you have less overhead cost, more sponsors come to the to the table, basically. So it's kind of a catch well, twenty two. Um, the one it thing sucks, I'm excited but... about is that yes, the I think the biggest main advantage or disadvantage is gonna be just pure having the right people in the chassis set up and then having in the motor packages from manufacturers because obviously those are still proprietary depending on who you are. But um, it's going to be right. awesome, I think, to see smaller teams do better. When I mean I do better is because, like, remember, all these chassis get bought from the same place now. The teams are not making them. They have to buy them. So you've right. got that. You have a spec body. You have a really good, well-driven car. I just think it's going to really highlight these lower-level teams that have a really good people in the right places and a good and a solid right. driver but they can't get out of last place because they couldn't afford a Penske chassis, a Hendrick chassis. They could Right, exactly. And that's it's it's gonna help the drivers like the old Alex Bowman's or the old Matt yep. Benedetto's or the uh Corey LaJoyce's and the uh I mean you, you insert mid pack twenty or further back driver here that frankly has good talent i mean look at matt de benedetto he was driving the burger king 93 or 83 whichever one it was bk racing car they sucked but he had talent he had a lot of talent and now he's driving a penske car and he's a force I mean, to be reckoned with yeah alex, alex bowman, bowman was driving the driving the other he one. was running and, and he was running 32nd because that's all the car could do every race Right. But he knew people. And so he got the opportunity. Right. But like it's just gonna be interesting. It's gonna hopefully elevate the sport. It hopefully doesn't lose people's interest. I don't think it will. Um I do think that like have you uh Sam, how much Australian supercars have you watched? Have you watched any of it? A little bit here and a little bit there? <laughs> Way okay. more than I so, should have. Um I think they have probably the best 
overall package right now as far as the series where you have like the top 10 qualifying shootout, but then you have a qualifying race that's stupid ridiculous. You know what I mean? And then you have the main event. Like they have a buildup. Like if you go there like on a weekend to an Australian supercar race, like you get a lot for your money. You get like you get like like right. the armor all like uh I think yeah armor all pole position award like when you watch the, any of these cars hustling for their like qualifying lap it's you're on the edge of your seat because like these cars are doing two wheels everywhere the car almost hits the wall every corner because like they are pushing ten like this is a they put a tire compound on that last one lap that's it you know and then the tire's done so it's just got insane grip I think. I think that like I would say IndyCar is kind of going a little bit that route. I, if I'm going to be honest, I've heard rumors that they're looking at doing qualifying races. I've heard rumors that uh, that once they NASCAR gets this new next gen car and it kind of settles into its groove, that there might be more races that are qual like because you know how qualifying is still gone technically how it doesn't exist i've heard that right. it might come back into qualifying races that's what i've heard like a quarter quarter of the way right which would be really cool um i don't know i just kind of like how like how the yep. duels are now but if yeah right, exactly like i think that's kind of an important thing i think it'd be really cool um i mean hell imsa did it this year they did the yep. modal 100 for exactly four hour and that was a cool pre-race it, it was, was a good race, race um and hope just goal is don't tear up your equipment uh i think right. exactly i think this is positive i think we should all be very happy that we are still talking about motorsports because last year it was very vague because there wasn't a lot of money in it at all but right. yeah i agree with yeah i mean it, it was definitely a we we had to survive, and with that, I think there's going to be a lot more. Like, we had the cold winter of last year, and now we're having the bright spring of this year. Like, it's it's the 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 flourish after the flurry kind yep. of a thing. Um, before before so. we end this, because it is getting late, and me and you both have jobs and responsibilities. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Who is your... <laughs> Who is your pick for the Daytona 500? Are you, Man, okay, you fine. How about question. top three? <laughs> you get top three. All right. Um, obviously, right off the bat, I got to pick Denny. Like, he's obviously – I mean, he's done it two years in a row already. He knows how to wheel on a super speedway. He's a beast. And he's got a fire under his butt for sure. Um. The Gibbs cars are always good on super speedways, so any of them are good mm-hmm. choices, I think. Um, obviously, the Hendrick cars are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I'm not going to necessarily say Chase, because I feel like Chase has always been kind of... Lackluster. Uh, right place. Yeah, right place, wrong time every every time. Um, he knows how to drive a super speedway. He's definitely good at it, but he always makes like some fatal mistake. Um, sometimes not even under his own, own, own doing, like he's just up on the top and the big one happens and he gets wrecked. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, the Fords are going to be obviously. I, I would say probably your your Joey Logano is going to be up there for sure. Um, I have a feeling as long as the number six car has a good setup behind them, I think Newman is going to yep. have something to prove. Since this is the anniversary, <laughs> um, I'd like to see him. Like I would like to see him do well. Um, I'd like to see, and this is going to be controversial to say, I'd like to see Bubba do well. Um, not because of the, any of the controversy or anything like that. I don't give a crap what you think about that. I want to see that team do well because I think it's a cool opportunity for expansion in NASCAR. And if this is kind of the prototype team for it, then I, I would like to see them do well and set the precedent okay. for small name teams again. I mean, obviously they're Gibbs backed, but they're getting Gibbs crap stuff from last mm-hmm. year, basically. Um, so I'd like to see them do well, but as far as my top three go, I think I would say definitely Hamlin. I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw Organo in there, and you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna throw Bowman in there. I'm gonna. I think now that he's got the 48, he's got some pride behind him. I think he's gonna have something to prove. Okay. Um. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of label mine like a, what I kind of agree. I think logically, uh, this one might be controversial, but I really think logically, I think Kyle Larson has a really good shot because he's been winning everything he's been throwing himself at. He's got something to prove. He's really elevate. I think he's elevated himself because he's literally tore himself down and then brought himself back up. Um. I would, I would. Okay, that's fair. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take back my Alex Bowman. Now my, <laughs> now my, uh, my hopeful, my hopeful is actually uh, Alex Bowman. I love Alex. I love him as a person. Okay. He's a really good guy. He races really, really well when he has a good car. Um, like tonight, he was doing really well, and then he got caught up in a, an unfortunate accident. Um, I hopefully he does well, yeah. but the person that. I, if I could pick somebody to win this race this year, it would be Ryan Newman because I really would love to see that circle like come come all the way around. Exactly. Yeah, it's to come full um, circle. Just because of what happened and he came back and he's on pace because Ryan Newman's also always fast at Daytona for some reason. So, Right. Exactly. Keeps it um, top. The only top I would up. say, the only other politically thing I would I will say, it'd be really awesome if Larson would win this race because it would get everything over with immediately. Because the first race right. that Kyle or that yeah Kyle wins is going to be the most controversial one for his career because everything's going to come to light again all over again. So I, it'd be nice to see him just get rid of that immediately because we all know that. You people make mistakes. They come back. I think Larson proved that he could come back because he literally he worked his butt off. He ran everything he could mm-hmm. and he won everything he put his mind to to get himself an opportunity back in NASCAR. And I don't think he, I don't think he's going to waste right. it. But though, yeah, those are yeah, no, those I, are I my three picks. Um, I do have to agree. It would be good. It would be cool to see the uh, twenty three eleven team to do well. Um, I don't personally, just just my opinion. I don't think they're going to do well just because they are a new team. 
I think this is going to be really like kind of trial by fire, if that makes any sense. I think it's going to be, I think no, it's going to be, I, a t- I think it's going to be agree. a tough year for those guys, mostly because um, this may be controversial. I don't think Bubba does well under changing conditions where everything's different. That's just my opinion because I think he's. I've seen him do well when he's had a really good car and it's been consistent that weekend. But it seems like when we go like when we have like the schedule changes last year and stuff, I think he kind it kind of hurt him mm-hmm. as a driver. But like I said, anything can happen. This is the Daytona 500. It is the race that literally you could throw a dart and you might you might pick somebody that wins it. So right, yeah, it it. All all bets are off. Exactly. Racing. So <laughs> it it'll be cool. Whoever wins wins. Um, but yeah, maybe that should be our segment. Maybe we have to we have to do a segment at the end if there's an upcoming race. We have to make a pick on who we think could win. I think that'd be kind of cool. I I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, we could definitely do that because I I have a feeling we'll um we're gonna go ahead and start cleaning up here. But I have a feeling that these are going to be every two weeks. I want to do that. I, I think every, every week is too, a little bit too much quick turnaround for um, us. I'm, I'm also yeah. <laughs> personally trying to do a separate podcast that talks about um, privateer uh, road race cars like that are high up. So like oh, yeah. just explaining like the cars themselves, because there's a lot of people that like uh, they're like, Oh, that's a really cool car, but they know nothing about it. So I want to try and do that. So right. I've also got that kicking in. But at the same time, me and you are both just busy. Like, just so the listen, just for the yeah, listeners no, know, definitely. me and Sam have been trying to do this since the beginning of January, and we finally got around to it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's it's been it's been fun, needless to say, and mostly my fault because it's like, yeah, I want to. Oh, and I passed out because yeah, I just worked. It happens. Um, so. We want to thank <laughs> anybody that is actually listening to these again at some point. Um, whether it be within the next 24 hours or the next two years I mean we hell you might be listening to this and already know the answers to everything yep. we talked about tonight so who knows but um, but as always I think we're going to go ahead and uh, kind of conclude everything here nope. any last thoughts Just happy to be back alright cool alright Um, starting I think we're going to do I think we should do one for after the 500, just kind of like a quick one, just to, to just because it's such an event. But other than that, um, stay close to the social medias. We do still have Instagram. I'm going to start posting on Facebook more as well. Um, we'll have the, the links to all of the previous episodes from season one. Um, I'm calling this season two because it's a new year. New year, new me, blah, blah, blah. I agree. Um, but other than that, other than that, I think uh, I think we're going to have some fun this year, and we're going to try and stay more consistent. We've got a lot of stuff that we want to talk about, um, and by all means, always, we are open for suggestions or requests. Uh, just send us a DM or send us a message on Facebook, whatever is easier for you. Uh, tell us what you think, what you want to hear, and uh, we'll definitely ruin the topic for you because we enjoy yep. quite, uh, And if arguing, anybody so. wants to possibly be a guest, you can also send us a okay yeah definitely um i don't know how we're gonna do guests yet just because of how the the app Mm -hmm. works and stuff like that but by all means we are open to the idea of having some uh special guests come on board and and talk about stuff so they can divide us even more 
<laughs> yes, but, exactly. All right. <laughs> so, all right. With that being said, Mr. Brock, and to everyone out there in uh, 